6, verses 12 through 16. Taking a little break from our study in Hebrews last week and this week, and then, of course, next week with Revival. We will pick that up here pretty soon, though. Luke chapter 6 is where we will be this morning. Very briefly, a very brief passage today. This is toward the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He is just beginning to get started well. And in this particular passage, we see that Jesus chooses 12 to be his apostles. Now, we see the word apostle or we see the word disciple. And uh, uh, everyone who follows Jesus is a disciple of Jesus. But not all disciples are apostles. All apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles. But in this case, Jesus handpicked 12 men to serve alongside him. And that's what we see in the passage this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. He also named them apostles. Simon, whom... He also named Peter and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and your word is good. Dear Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for who he is, for what he's done. Dear Lord, we thank you for these 12 that he has chosen and the way that he has invested in them, dear Lord, during his ministry. God, I pray that as we see in your word today how Jesus uses these that he has chosen, God, that you help us to remember that you desire to use us, dear Lord. And so, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us and be with us this morning. Dear Lord, we come here. We don't want to leave here not, not drawing closer to you, not knowing more about your word. So, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help me to preach and teach in a way that would bring glory to you and all that is done, that through your word, dear Lord, that your spirit would work in our lives and work in our church. God, I pray that you take away my pride and take away my fear. God, I pray that this morning as I open my mouth that it is your spirit that speaks. That as we open our ears that it is your spirit that we hear, dear Lord. That our hearts are changed. God, that you strengthen us for you as individuals. That you strengthen us for you as a church. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have thought through the years on a few occasions, you know, maybe one day I'll do a, I'll do a mini-series on each of the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, and we can spend a week talking about each one, but, but I have quickly discovered every time I have thought of that, that would be very difficult to do because we really don't know much about these 12. We have lists like these throughout the gospel accounts that tell us that Jesus, as he started his ministry, he picked these 12 men to serve alongside of him. And while there are a few details of some that we know, of some there is really nothing that we know other than that Jesus chose them. And what a crazy group it is that Jesus chose. 
As we look at these, while we don't know much, what little we do know may make us scratch our head to say, why in the world would Jesus choose these 12 men? And how in the world could Jesus accomplish anything with them? Yet Jesus accomplished great things through these men. I was reminded of just how great it is when the right man uses even sometimes the wrong tools, perhaps, what they can accomplish. I was watching this past week MacGyver. Anybody in here ever watched MacGyver before? Now, I ain't talking about that new show that came out a while back that has the title MacGyver. I'm talking about 1980s mullet, leather jacket, uh, aviator sunglasses, Richard Dean Anderson, sure enough, real deal, MacGyver. And let me set the scene for you. These jewels, valuable jewels, had been stolen by a U.S. government official. And the evil bad guy had taken the jewels, and of course they could have sent the army in or special forces, but why do that when there's one man who can handle the job? And so the government contacts MacGyver, and MacGyver, as he does, doesn't really come up with a plan. He goes down to this multi-million dollar casino where the stolen jewels are being held, and without even really coming up with a plan, MacGyver makes his way into the building. Now, MacGyver didn't bring anything with him. He never does. He doesn't have to, of course. He's MacGyver. He walks into the building, and what does he see around him other than a few random odds and ends? A hanger, a piece of string, about 10 foot of string, and a makeup compact, you know, the ones with the mirror and the little, the little powder puff for your nose. And these three items, MacGyver is going to break into this multi-million dollar facility with all this security, and he is going to retrieve what was stolen, what has been lost. And would you believe that with those three things, MacGyver did it? Now, I won't tell you how he did it. You can watch the episode for yourself. Now, if somebody gave us a hanger and some string and a makeup compact, we would hang up our coat, tie something up, and powder our nose. But MacGyver can use those things, which seem so useless in some sense, to accomplish something great. And at the end of the story, he broke into the complex with those items. He stole back the valuable jewels, and the story ended with a happy ending. And what Jesus does through his disciples and through you and I is really not so different. You see, something valuable was taken from God. Something valuable was lost. And that is the relationship that God desired to have with humanity. And God said, I want to get back what's rightfully mine. I want to get back what was taken, which is far more valuable than the jewels that we see on shows like MacGyver. And of course, God could have acted in any variety of ways, but instead God chose to use the man for the job who could accomplish everything that needed to be accomplished, and that was his precious son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came to accomplish his mission, he brought nothing into this world. And once he was born, and once he came into the world, and once he became of age, and he began to go about, and he began to do his thing, he said, now I've got a mission to do here. I've got to restore the kingdom that my Father has sent me to restore. I've got to build and establish this kingdom. What am I going to do? Well, I'll use that guy. And I guess I can use that guy. And I can use that guy. And of all the disciples, we don't know much about him. But what we do know is he used a fisherman. He used a tax collector. He used a religious zealot. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... Those probably don't seem like the most obvious choice for somebody who's coming saying, 
I am about to establish the kingdom of God Almighty. But yet the people that perhaps we would have overlooked are the very people that Jesus chose. And you say, well, what could we do if we had a fisherman and a tax collector and a religious zealot? Well, we might could have a fish fry and make sure our taxes were done right and start a good religion. But Jesus had bigger, bigger ideas for these men. You see, they were fishermen and tax collectors and religious zealots, but Jesus says, I'm going to use you for something that is so much better. I'm going to use you for something that is so much greater. And what is the most beautiful thing is that Jesus comes, the Son of God, and He accomplishes His part of what He came to do. And that is to establish the kingdom of God and to build the kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't just have His part to do. Part of what it means to build the kingdom of God and what it takes to build the kingdom of God is to continue that work that Jesus started. And so Jesus picked these 12 because he says, these are the ones that I'm going to use. Normal people that aren't, there's nothing really special about them and there are certainly some flaws about them. They may be a little hot-headed at times. They may speak when they should keep their mouth shut. They may at times doubt. They may be slow to understand. But yet in all of these things, these men that so often lack faith, Jesus says these ordinary men, I'm going to use them to do extraordinary things. You see, those group of men that Jesus put together, if anybody else would have put them together, perhaps they wouldn't have experienced such great results. But it's the one who's using the items that makes all the difference. There are things that MacGyver can do with items that you and I could never do. And there are things that Jesus can do with people that you and I can never do. There are things that perhaps that are before us that look too big for us and we see the reasons why we're not good enough to do it. But yet when Jesus begins to work in our life and begins to work in our heart, then great things can be done through us who in and of ourselves are not really that great. And what a beautiful thing it is that Jesus, after establishing the kingdom of God by giving his life on a cross, after being crucified and resurrected, that Jesus says, Okay, boys, I've told you everything you need to know. I've shown you the way that you need to live your life. Therefore, go out and do what I have prepared for you to do. And here's the cool thing about these apostles that Jesus called. They were the first disciples that he called that were really close to him to do his work, but they weren't the last. Because it's the work that these men did, these average, normal, ordinary men that had their weaknesses and weren't qualified for the job. It's these very men that after Jesus was resurrected, that these men went about and they began to do the work of Jesus Christ. They began to spread the gospel message. They began to do the miracles. And they began to tell others who began to tell others who began to tell others. And one of those that they told that they told that they told is somebody who at one point in time told you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here we are today as a group of believers, as a body of believers, as a church, and we call ourselves Enterprise Baptist Church. And quite frankly, the group that's in here is probably not any better than the old ragtag group that Jesus brought together all those years ago. But I still believe that Jesus brings people together today. I think that it, people end up in the churches where they end up and God leads them to the churches where they are led to because that's where God wants them to be. 
Because apart, we, we have our flaws, we have our weaknesses, we have our skills, our lack thereof, whatever they may be. And out on our own, there's not much perhaps we can accomplish for the kingdom of God, but there's something about being part of a community of a believers that make up a body of Jesus Christ. And isn't it a beautiful thing that we see through Scripture? That, oh, just in this passage here, we see some names that Jesus picked. And as we read through the stories of Jesus and how he worked with them, how he, how he used these men to accomplish great things, and I think that Jesus is still doing so today. I think he's doing so at churches like this and many other churches like this who are gathered on a Sunday morning just as we are today. And so how does God want to use us? Well, that will require some prayer on our part, some discernment on our part as individuals and as a church. But God has brought us all together here today, whatever our skill may be. Perhaps some he has brought here today to be a preacher or a teacher, some to be a barber or a machinist, some still work at their jobs, some are still retired. Some perhaps are fishermen as those in the Bible. Perhaps there are some who are tax collectors or some who are lawyers. Some who are of professions, professions that you think, how could God use anybody in that profession? There ain't, they ain't worth anything. There ain't no good. But yet the very people that the world would overlook are the very ones that Jesus chose. And the reason is, is that Jesus knows our heart. Praise the Lord. Here's the good news about the people that Jesus chose. There's this, there's this struggle for me and maybe for you too. You want to do a good job. You want to do right. You want to do your best. But the truth of the matter is, is that whatever profession we do, whatever we try to do, there are going to be days that we are going to fail. There are going to be days that the preacher is going to preach a bad sermon that the barber is going to cut your hair a little crooked, that the machinist is going to take a little bit too much off the piece of metal, or that the lawyer is going to give you bad legal advice. But praise the Lord that no matter what our profession may be, on our best days, on our worst days, Jesus chose those who had a heart for service that he knew that he could trust. Now, sadly, there was one that did not continue to serve Jesus and did not continue to trust in Jesus. But for the other 11, these were men that Jesus had chose that were ready for the job and that did great things for the kingdom of God. And so it should be for us today, brothers and sisters in Christ, that he has chosen us and he has brought us all together and we have not all been gifted in the same way and we may be good at what we do or we may not be so good at what we do. But praise the Lord, the one who wants to use us can do great things through us in the same way that MacGyver can take those few items that don't seem like they go together and don't seem like they're worth a whole lot but can accomplish great things. How much greater still can Jesus Christ, the Son of God, take a bunch of folks like you and me with all of our troubles, with all of our worries, with all of our fears, and he can say, but those folks are mine. Those folks I have chosen. And when I put them together and when I use them to do my work and my will, Jesus says perhaps they will accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. And we will if we trust in God and if we trust in Jesus Christ and if we seek to serve him and all we do and keep him above all things. Let us, as we enter into this season of revivals, reflect on our own life to see perhaps if there are things that are 
there maybe that shouldn't be there, things that we need to address, things that we need to change. Let us reflect on our church, that we make sure that we are about the work of God and the will of God. Perhaps for some in this room, your walk with the Lord is great, but perhaps for others, you are in need of revival today. May the Lord give us that this week and every week to follow, that we would come in with open hearts, that we would come in knowing that just as these that we read about in this passage today were chosen by the Messiah, so you and I have been chosen by the Messiah, by the Son of God, by the King of kings, by the Lord of lords. Let us follow the example of the one who has chosen us. Let us do all we can to live for him and to be a light to the world. Let him bring revival to our life so that we can bring revival to our church and revival to those around us. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your good word. God, we thank you that you choose people and that you use people. God, quite frankly, that sometimes we just, we're not good enough, dear Lord. But you don't choose us because we're good enough and you don't use us because we have the skill God, you choose us and you use us because, God, we are the ones you want. So, God, I thank you for choosing us today, for bringing us here, for calling us to be yours through Jesus Christ. God, maybe there's one today and they feel that call. Maybe they feel the Holy Spirit. Maybe today for the first time they realize that they have been chosen for something better than what this world has to offer. God, maybe today they realize that they have been chosen to be part of your kingdom. I pray today that they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some of us in this room today, and maybe we are already yours, but God, maybe we just need to be reminded that we are part of your kingdom. We're part of a bigger picture, dear Lord, and that we must all work together. We must all love one another. We must all strive to seek you and to seek your word and to seek to do your will and all that we do, dear Lord. I pray that you would put all of our strengths together in the way that they need to be put together, dear Lord, to accomplish your goals. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to see your goals. Dear Lord, let us never be blinded by our own desires and our goals, dear Lord. God, we want to be successful in what you call us to do, not in what we want to do. And dear Lord, quite frankly, there is no success apart from you. So God, I pray that you would help us to be about your work. God, I pray that you would help our hearts to be on you. God, if our hearts are not right, dear Lord, that you would change our hearts. Maybe there are some today, there's hearts that are in a good place. Maybe there are some today, dear Lord, and their hearts are struggling. Dear Lord, I pray that you would restore our souls, that you would restore our hearts, that you would revive us, dear Lord, as we enter into this season of revival, dear Lord, this time of refreshing that the men that you are going to send our way to preach these words would preach words that we would need to hear, that we would come with hearts that desire to hear them, dear Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would bless us today and bless us this week. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.